Greetings. Welcome back to my gingerbread house. I'm pleased to see that you brought a bag with you. Good. That will come in useful. Come in then. Yes, yes. Sit down. Don't read anything. I've been writing letters today. Or rather, one big long letter. My dear friend Sharazad has written to me, and she sends absolute essays. Pages and pages. And when someone sends you pages and pages of letter, it's really only polite to reply in kind. So I'm telling her, well, everything really. A lot more seems to happen in her life than it ever does in mine, but then maybe she's just a better storyteller than I am. Oh, that reminds me, I need to tell her about Morgiana. I saw her the other day and she was looking quite well. You'd like her actually, I think. She's extremely clever. The sort of person you wish you could give the entire world to, but who's smart enough to seize it all by themselves anyway without your help at all if they truly wanted it. Let me finish my letter, and I will tell you all about her. And then, would you be a dear and post this for me? It's what I wanted your bag for. There's a lot of space in there, I hope. Good, because I'm going to need it. You are an absolute treasure. Thank you. Once upon a time, there was a young woman named Morgiana. In her life, despite being young, Morgiana had worked many different jobs. She was a dancer, a thief, a wine taster for a while. It was quite by accident that she found herself in the situation she was in. You see, Morgiana got swept up in the wrong crowd. She found herself, as many do, in love with somebody who was not very nice. He could be lovely. He had these absolutely dazzling eyes and the most charming smile, or so I'm told at any rate. He made her laugh. He brought her expensive presents. It was almost enough to make up for the weeks he'd spend away working, or the way he'd hit her when he was upset. Morgiana's boyfriend was, amongst other things, a thief. And as much as he claimed to love her, he would always love money just a little bit more. So one day, when their prospects were looking bleak, he had been having trouble pulling off a decent heist lately, and now eleven of his thirty-nine friends were in prison. He made a deal with a man who had bought many of his illicitly gained goods in the past. He asked if the man wanted a cleaner, or a cook, or a nanny for his children, or maybe all three rolled into one neat little package. And the man's wife had just recently been saying that, oh, what she wouldn't give to have another pair of hands around the house. So the man agreed to employ Morgiana to help around the house, paid her boyfriend a hefty commission fee for finding her for him, and that was that. She didn't even have time to pack her bags. She was just sent off to live with this strange man and his strange wife and their two strange children, and that was that. She had no say in it. She didn't particularly want to be a cleaner, or a cook, or a nanny, but now she was. Morgiana found that she did not especially like the family she was working for. They didn't hit her like her ex-boyfriend used to do, but they still weren't very nice people. 
The man who now employed her was the oldest of two brothers, and as such had inherited his father's business when the man passed away. His wife was an only child, also inheritor of a business, and together they had merged their two family industries and become quite wealthy. They sold toothbrushes, I believe, and eggs. Still unsure how they made that work, to be honest, but they did, apparently. And just like Morgiana's ex, they loved money. Unlike him, they didn't even try to hide it. They had no time for their two children, as it was all spent working, and then scheming the best ways to save money from the business so that they had more to spend on themselves. Though this was sad, in some small way, Morgiana counted it as a blessing. It meant that it was down to her to essentially raise the two children. She tried her best to teach them that money was not everything, and that it was far more important to be kind than anything else. This, of course, whilst cooking all three meals for the four of them every single day, and also doing all the cleaning and the laundry and the grocery shopping. Morgiana's favourite days were the days that her boss's brother, Ali Baba, came to visit, because he'd almost always bring along his oldest son, and she had the biggest crush on him. He had brown eyes and a sweet laugh, and he had hand-reared a baby duckling into a fully grown adult. Morgiana thought he was perfect, but she'd never tell him that. She just stared at him with big, unblinking eyes, and laughed behind her hand whenever he said anything at all, and hoped simultaneously that he would both notice her and never notice her at all. Love is one of the strangest things in the world. I don't really understand it, but that's neither here nor there. What is both here and there is the story of Morgiana, which I shall now continue with. One day, her boss's sister-in-law popped round to borrow a pair of scales. She needed to weigh some bits and bobs, she explained somewhat cryptically. Morgiana's boss's wife was immediately suspicious. She was suspicious of most people who needed to ask for favours. She seemed to expect each and every one of them to be plotting against her. So she hid a bob of wax inside the scales and gave them to Ali Baba's wife. When the scales came back to her, a small piece of gold was stuck to the wax. Of course, she immediately rushed to tell her husband. After giving Morgiana the scales and strict instructions to wash the wax off, of course. From the kitchen, Morgiana could hear their conversation as she scrubbed. Ali Baba had not been left very much when his father died, and he'd married a woman even poorer than he was, because he loved her. How had he managed to find enough gold to want to weigh it when he could barely afford to eat, usually? His brother set off to his house to find out. He returned a few hours later. Ali Baba had found a cave, he told his wife loudly, within full earshot of their servant girl. If someone stood outside a sheer cliff face near Ali Baba's house and said the words, Open sesame, a door would open in the rocks. Inside there was a cave that was used by a gang of thieves to hide away their treasures. Ali Baba had only taken one bag of gold more than enough to keep him and his family comfortably fed for a few years. But his brother wasn't content with that. He fetched two donkeys to help him carry home as much gold as possible, and made his way down to the cave. He did not come back. After three days, his wife began to worry. She went to Ali Baba's house to complain. 
Ali Baba and his oldest son went down to the cave to search for him. They found his body. It had been cut into pieces and left inside the cave as a warning to anyone else that might try their hand at stealing the thieves' treasure. Clearly they had caught him inside. Ali Baba and his son carried the body back to the man's house. They told his wife to make funeral arrangements, and as far as possible to make sure that everyone outside of the household believed that the man had died a natural death. The thieves would soon realise that the body was missing, and if they heard about a dismembered man having a funeral, they would quickly trace him back to his family. No good could possibly come of that. The man's wife immediately passed all of these duties on to Morgiana. Luckily, Morgiana still had a lot of useful contacts from her days working a range of jobs. First, she went to the apothecary, where she explained in a loud voice so that everyone would hear her that she was buying medicine for her master, who was very sick. Then she went to a tailor, who she paid a large sum of money to let her blindfold him and lead him to a mysterious location where he would sew a dead body back together. The tailor needed to eat, and he needed money to pay for that, so he agreed. Morgiana led the tailor, blindfolded, to her boss's home, where he worked in complete darkness to stitch the pieces of her boss back together, and then she escorted him back to his shop and removed his blindfold. The family were able to hold a fairly normal funeral for Morgiana's boss, where they made sure to let everybody know that he had died of a very sudden, fast-acting illness. Not too long after the funeral, Morgiana was cleaning the outside of the windows of the house, when she heard talking. Apparently, her boss's wife was keen to keep her now that her husband was dead. She said she needed the help more than ever, so Morgiana was still doing everything around the house for the smallest imaginable excuse for a wage. Anyway, she was cleaning the windows when she heard chatter. She ducked behind a bush and peered out. It was the tailor she'd asked to sew her boss's body back together. He was wearing a blindfold in the hope that it might make it easier for him to retrace his steps. And there, with his hand on his shoulder, was another man she recognised. He was a friend of her ex-boyfriend's, one of his so-called work colleagues. Morgiana had had plenty of time by now to think about her relationship with him, and she'd rather decided she hated her ex-boyfriend. He'd been mean and he'd hurt her, and then he'd sent her away to work this horrible job without so much as a goodbye. Morgiana listened in on their conversation, and realised that her ex-boyfriend must be one of the forty thieves using the cave that Ali Baba claimed to have found to store his treasure in. This did not surprise her, really. She watched as his friend took a piece of chalk and made a mark on the door of her boss's house. This way his fellow thieves would be able to find it later that night. They could come back, kill everyone inside, and ensure that their hiding place remained secret. The moment the thief and the tailor were gone, Morgiana found a piece of chalk of her own. She made identical marks on the doors of every single other house in the neighbourhood. And that night, when her ex arrived with his 39 friends to commit murder, it was impossible to tell her boss's house apart from any other house in the area. And so all 40 thieves returned home disappointed. The next day, another man arrived at the house with a blindfolded tailor. Morgiana recognised this as another of her ex's old friends. He chipped a piece off of the doorstep so that the house would be distinguishable from the others, and then he and the tailor left. Morgiana waited until they were gone, 
and then knocked similar chips out of all the doorsteps of all the houses in the neighbourhood. And that night, when her ex appeared with 38 thieves to commit murder, it was impossible to tell her boss's house apart from all the others. The next day, her ex stopped by the house with the tailor himself. Morgiana was upstairs making the beds when she saw him staring at the house, committing every last inch of it to memory, and she knew that she needed to come up with something clever and fast. He stayed for a few hours, long enough to see Ali Baba stop by with his oldest son to check in on his niece and nephew. Morgiana knew that Ali Baba and his family would all be in danger now. Her ex would assume that he was also involved. It was better in his mind to be safe than sorry, and he'd be very sorry if he got caught. Luckily, her ex's clever plan turned out to be one that she could easily exploit. He arrived that afternoon posing as an oil merchant, with a cart holding 38 enormous jars full of olive oil to sell. Only one actually contained any oil. The rest each contained one of his friends. Her ex's plan was to convince Morgiana's boss's wife that he was a harmless merchant. That night, he'd free his friends from the oil jars and they'd kill everyone inside the house before moving on to Ali Baba's house and killing everyone they found there too. Hopefully, then they'd have killed everybody who knew about their secret hiding place. In order to sell his lie better, Morgiana's ex-boyfriend spent some time in the neighbourhood knocking on doors and explaining that he was an oil salesman. He carried a small bottle of oil around to show potential customers, and occasionally returned to his car, where he made a big fuss of refilling the bottle using the one jar actually filled with oil, so that everybody could see him do it. No one would think he was doing anything, other than selling olive oil. Except Morgiana. She waited for him to refill his bottle and jumped in the moment his back was turned. She stole some oil from the one full jar and took it inside the house to heat up. And then, while her ex was busy pretending to woo customers, she slipped back outside and poured boiling hot oil into each of the other 37 jars. When her ex returned that evening to release his friends from their jars, it was to discover that they had died horrifically. He immediately ran away to save his own neck. Morgiana, meanwhile, was on her way to Ali Baba's house. She explained to him everything that had happened, the tailor's betrayal, the chalk, the doorsteps, and the oil jars. It had very suddenly occurred to her that she had just murdered 37 people, which is, technically, a bit illegal. Ali Baba and his oldest son helped Morgiana to bury the jars containing the dead bodies, so that by the time the sun came up, there was no trace whatsoever of her crime. And for a time, all was as well as it was before. Morgiana still had this job that she hated, but people were no longer trying to murder the children she cared for or the man that she loved. For his wife's birthday, Ali Baba decided to host a dinner party. His sister-in-law was invited, as of course were his niece and nephew. Morgiana was also expected to tag along. It would be her job to make sure that the children behaved during the meal while the grown-ups were talking about business and finances and all that nonsense. Ali Baba's oldest son brought a friend along to join them. Morgiana recognised him immediately. He might have claimed to be a merchant, he might have a rock-solid backstory, but Morgiana knew that this was her ex-boyfriend, and he almost definitely wasn't there just to eat the salad. Between courses, 
Morgiana stood up from her place at the table. She'd once been a dancer, she explained, and she would love to perform for Ali Baba's wife as a birthday gift. Ali Baba's wife enthusiastically agreed. Morgiana asked to borrow the oldest son's dagger, which she used to perform a traditional sword dance. By this point, she knew her ex must have noticed her. All eyes were on her after all, but he couldn't say a word without blowing his own cover. Morgiana danced. She danced right up to her ex-boyfriend. And then she stabbed him. Several people screamed. Her boss's wife screeched that she was going to fire her, right there, that she never wanted to see her again. But all Morgiana cared about was Ali Baba's oldest son. She looked over at him. He was sitting beside her ex-boyfriend. He had been splattered with blood. He looked horrified. Morgiana's heart broke. Ali Baba was furious at her for ruining his wife's birthday party and killing his son's new friend. So Morgiana explained herself. She explained that this man was the thief, the leader of the 37 men who she had killed. He was almost definitely planning to kill everyone in the room later on in the night. Ali Baba asked his sister-in-law if he might be in charge of choosing Morgiana's punishment. She agreed, not expecting him to provide her with a job. As the only person left in all the world who knew how to open the door to the cave, Ali Baba had suddenly come into a lot of money. He'd need somebody to help him run the businesses he was planning on setting up with it. Morgiana had shown such resourcefulness and had saved his life and the lives of his family so many times over the last few weeks that he had no doubt she'd do a wonderful job. I'm pleased to say that Morgiana is now in charge of Open Sesame Home Decor Company all of its branches. She is the absolute boss. She is in charge of everything. And at night, she returns home with the head of the creative furnishings department. You see, Ali Baba's oldest son didn't want a position with too much responsibility. He realised that he just wanted to design furniture to be sold by the company that his dad had created. And for the first time in her life, Morgiana is dating somebody who loves her more than anything else in all the world. Thank you for listening to The Gingerbread House. This week's episode was inspired by Ali Baba and the Forty Thieves one of the more famous stories in the Western world from 1001 Nights, a collection of stories from various countries in the Middle East. If you enjoyed listening, please consider rating us or leaving a review on your favourite podcast streaming app or telling a friend about our podcast. These are the best ways of letting us know that you'd like to hear more from us. You can also find us on Twitter at gingerbreadpod, or one word, and Instagram at thegingerbreadpod, again, or one word. The Gingerbread House is written and produced by Daisy Plant, who also provides the voice of Melita, the witch. Again, thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time, when we'll be talking about the consequences of breaking into someone else's home.